Ano ai ke aloha e na makamaka e hoolohe mai nei. E anu kako ma kakako hua kaihele i ka moku o hamakua. Ia aina nui anani. Aloha and mahalo nui for joining us once again on Kaleo Kauluau today. As we continue on our adventure, we journey through the expansive and beautiful district of Hamakua. Velina mai, welcome to Kaleo Kauluau. Here we are in Hamakua. You might notice that I'm a bit meha meha today as my fabulous co-host Drew isn't here with us, but he's definitely in our thoughts. I'll try my best to channel his brilliant and akamai ano, so mahalo to all of you listening as I welcome our special guest. Kaiulani Pahi'o was born and raised in Honoka'a in the moku of Hamakua, and her mo'oku'auhau is deeply rooted to the avava of Waipio. Her grandparents are Joseph Apak Sr. of Waipio and Virgilia Makuakane of Kona, and her parents are Pansy Apak of Waipio and Lawrence Lorenzo Sr. of Honoka'a. Kaiolani pursued her education at UH Hilo in cultural anthropology and has worked serving the community with various organizations such as Napua Noeau, the DOE Kupuna program, and others. Today she is retired and enjoys spending time with her children and caring for her mo'opuna. Today Kaiolani will be sharing a special mo'olelo that took place in Waipio, the largest valley on the island of Hawaii. Waipio is a beautiful avava or valley in Hamakua that today serves as a place where wetland lo'i agriculture is practiced in abundance and where an important staple food of Hawaii, kalo or taro, is cultivated. Waipio literally translates as arching water with vai meaning fresh water and pio meaning to arch. It has several famous waterfalls including Hi'ilawe as well as companions Hakalawa, Nanawe and others. The Avava is composed of five finger-like valleys through which five important streams flow, Hi'ilawe, Waima, Ko'iawe, Alakahi, and Kawainui, which converge and form the Wailoa River, creating a watershed that is more than 25 square miles in area. There are many important cultural sites associated with the Li'i, and it is said that Waipio was once a very populous valley with thousands of residents. In fact, Waipio was once the seat of power on Hawaii Mokupuni, as it was home to greater li'i or chiefs of Hawaii, such as Umia Liloa. And with that, let's go over to Kaiolani now. Aloha e Kaiolani. We're um, happy to have you here with us today in Honoka'a. And mahalo nui for agreeing to join us on Kaleo Kauluau. To ha'i mo'olelo of the great moku of Hamakua and the avava of Waipio with our audience. We look forward to hearing what you have to share. Aloha mai kako. Thank you for having me today. And I am so honored and privileged to be here to share a mo'olelo of my kupuna from our vahipana, um, which is my kuonihā now, um, Waipio Valley. And it is um, with great respect to all those who have passed before us. Um, that we bring these stories so our future generations are able to carry it on. Um, thank you and mahalo. So today I want to share the story of Nanawe. Nanawe um, is a very endearing story for us in YPO because it has a lot of traditional connections on the place and how the people 
should behave towards one another. Um, let me start at the very beginning. We have uh, our king of all sharks, Kamuhuali'i, who we know is the brother of our goddess Pele. When Kamuhuali'i came here to Hawaii, he was giving kuleana. And one of his kuleana is he needed to traverse all of the waters of all of the Hawaiian islands to make sure that Hawaii was kept safe. And it was peaceful during that time when he made sure that all of his shark soldiers, as I was told, uh, made sure that there was no problems and there was no fighting and the waters of the Pacific was safe for people to go and fish. So during one of his patrols, when he came down to Waipio, which is located on the northern part of Hawaii Island in Hamakua, um, as he was swimming around in the bay, he saw this beautiful girl that was there on the beach. Now, there's many different variations of some of these stories, but as I was told this story when I was growing up from my kupuna, who actually lived and came from Waipio Valley, um, this is what was told to me, that this beautiful young Native woman was walking along the beach and she was gathering food for her and her family to eat. And as you know, the men, they would do the deep sea fishing and they did the night fishing. But the women, they were allowed to do um, shoreline gathering. They could catch small um, reef fishes. They could go get opihi, aama, and limu. And that's what the women were allowed to do. So when he was swimming around in the bay, Kamohali saw this beautiful, beautiful Native girl with long black hair, of course, you know, and dark, dark eyes like the night. And her eyes just twinkled, and he was very attracted to her, especially when he saw her lele, 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 jumping from rock to rock to rock, gathering aama and opihi because she really loved opihi. Now we love opihi too, right? So as she gathered her food, he was enthralled by her and just wanted to go and talk to her. So what he decided to do was he changed shape because he was a kupua. He was a shapeshifter. And because he's a demigod, and of course the brother of um, Madame Pele, our um, volcano goddess, he had the ability to do so at whim. So he went out on the beach, and there he was able to turn himself into a young handsome man. So as Kale was putting all her food together and getting it ready to go back home, Kamoa Ali'i approached her and they started talking. And she was thinking to herself, wow, this is a really handsome <laughs> young stranger. I shouldn't be talking to him, but wow, he's very good looking. And so they became friends and she offered to bring him home to come and eat with her family because she felt he didn't have a place to go. So she had invited him to go to their hale, to their farm, further back in YPO. And there he met the rest of her family. Eventually, um, they had gotten accustomed to having him help them around the farm. And it was 
part of our culture too, that when someone takes you in and you don't have a gift or a present or something to give them in payment, you can offer them something else. So what he offered the family was, I can work for you since you're feeding me and you're giving me place to stay. And so he would work on their family farm and Kale was very pleased. And soon after that, they both fell in love with each other and they ended up getting married. So soon after they had gotten married, um, she was hapai, she was pregnant and was going to have a baby. They were both so in love, they spent every second together and they really enjoyed their time together. They went all over the valley. Kale showed him all the different places and she introduced him to so many of her family and friends and she was so pleased to have a wonderful husband. Well, one night when they were sleeping, Kamohali'i had gotten a dream and in his dream, he heard his sister Pele calling him and she was scolding him and telling him, where are you? You've been gone for a very long time and nobody has been patrolling all of these areas in the ocean and there's so much pilikia happening without you here. You need to come back wherever you are. You know, if not, you're going to be in trouble, right? And now when you have an older sister or older brother telling a younger sibling that you need to follow directions, you need to go and listen to them because that's the respect you pay for them, towards them because they're looking out for you and everybody else. So Kamohali the next morning told Kale, I have to go and I have so much kuleana that I have to do. I am not sure if I'm going to be able to do all of this kuleana and be able to even come back. So this might be the last time you see me, but know that if any time you need me, you can just call on me and I will be sure that you will get the help that you need. And she started crying. She was like, you cannot go because I'm going to have this baby all alone. And what am I supposed to do? And he was like, I will always love you. And I will love our child. And I will always make sure that the both of you are taken care of. As long as everything goes okay. And he said, I have to go. I made a commitment. So Kale was sad, but she realized that Kamohuali'i had to leave. Before he left, he told her, when you have this child, if you give birth to a female, if you give birth to a girl, then you can name her after your family. And I will still make sure that this child is well taken care of. But if you have a boy, I want you to name this child Nanawe. And now again, like me, like we have same names, yeah? So today, people call, the, call this um, child Nanawe, but the Kua'ainas, the old-timers of YPO, actually called this child Neneve. And that's what I knew growing up. I never heard of Nanawe until later um, when I was much, much older. So um, for this time, just to make everything simple, I will refer to the story as Nanawe. So he said, if you have a boy, I want you to name him Nanawe. And there are two things I want you to be sure that you follow. 
um, explicitly, when this child is born, you need to make sure that this child is always covered. You always need to make sure he's always protected and he needs to wear a kappa or a kihe on at all times. This child is very, very special. So do not leave him uncovered. And she said, I, I can do that. And he said, and another thing, you are never to feed this child any type of flesh, no meat whatsoever. You can feed him all the vegetables you want to, but no flesh, absolutely no flesh is forbidden. And she said, again, Kamoali said, this child is very special to everyone, so he is not allowed to eat um, meat. She said, I promise, I promise. And then Kamuholi and Kale said goodbye. She cried, and then he left. He was very sad, but he had lots of kuleana to do and a lot of other people that he had to take care of because he was the brother of Pele, and he was the king of the sharks, and he needed to go out and protect the Pacific Ocean um, to whatever extent he needed to. Well, not too long after Kamuali left, Kale was able to hanau and have the baby. And she had the baby with her immediate family there. And when she gave birth, she had a baby son. And she was really, really happy. And she remembered the promises that she told Kamuali that she was going to keep him covered. So she grabbed a kappa and she swaddled him and kept him covered. And then she remembered not to feed the baby meat. So she made sure that she brought him up and she fed him all these other foods, but no type of flesh. Now, you need to remember that when babies are born, even little girls and little boys, they are born into the family. They are first raised by the mothers, the females of the family. So the mothers, the grandmothers, the aunties, the cousins, the sisters, right? Because men was in their own part of the the kuleana in the, the compound, in the kauhale. And then the women had their own kuleana in the kauhale. So the women raised the little ones. So Nanawe was raised with the mother. She always made sure he was covered. She always made sure he never eat any type of flesh. But when the boys come of age, which is around age six or seven, they're taken away from the mothers and go and be raised with all the kane. So he was taken away and given to the grandpas, the uncles, the cousins, and all of them, the brothers. So then that way he could be raised as a warrior, as a mahi'ai, as a lavai'a, canoe maker, a kahuna, whatever that is. So he had to go and live with all the men. So the Kale told them, remember, I told you guys, make sure he always stays covered and he never gets fed any type of flesh. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worry, we get him, we get him. <laughs> well, you know, when you send him off to the men, sometimes hard, right? Because they pakiki. And sometimes they're too busy, you know, they're doing so much other things, they cannot pay attention to a small little boy growing up, right? So as he was growing up, 
he was raised with the men. That means he ate with the men. So now the men eat separate from the women. Women were forbidden to eat certain foods, according to the couples. Men had a little bit more privileges, so they had the opportunity to eat meat. So when they did eat meat on certain occasions, Nanawe was like, what is that smell? That smells so good. I've never seen that before. And I see everybody eating it. Can I have some? Please, please, please. And the uncles would tell him, no, you cannot have any. We're going to be in trouble because your mama said no meat for you. And they would tell him he cannot have, you know. But everybody told him he couldn't because they remembered, especially what Kale told them, no, give him nothing meat. But of course, you know, he has a tutukane, the grandpa. Dear Papa, Papa, please, that looks so good. What is that you eating? Can I have some? Just a little. And you know, it's hard because when you have mo'opuna, and especially when that's a punahele, that's your favorite, you like give them what they ask for, right? So the grandpa would give him a little bit meat. Once in a while, give him a little bit of meat. He was like, oh, Papa, thank you. Thank you. This tastes so, oh, no. I like this. This tastes so good. Shh. <laughs> you know, tell now that I give you because you're not supposed to have. Okay? He thought, okay, Papa. Thank you. Thank you. So, of course, the grandpa, the tutu, was thinking, well, I really want him to grow up to be a big, strong boy, you know. Then maybe he might be a warrior with the Ali'is. Um, hui. So maybe if I give him the meat, it's going to be good for him, right? So I don't think that's wrong. So eventually, they taught Nanawi the ways of the men, and he grew up to be a fine young man. He was very responsible. He helped take care of his family. He worked on the family farm in the Lo'i and even tilling the Uala and he made them very, very proud. Well, eventually one day, the Tutukani passed away, you know, and Nanawi was really, really sad. He was like, oh, no, I'm I going to be lost without my papa because he was the one who gave me the guidance and the wisdom while I was here with other men. And, you know, he was kind of a shy boy, so, you know, he didn't intermingle too much with the others, yeah? But he would still work on the farm and be responsible and be accountable to taking care of them, making sure that the family had food. Well, alongside their farm, there was this trail that went from the mountain all the way down to the sea, from Mauka to Makai. And then along that trail had a beautiful waterfall with a huge pond inside of it. And that was convenient because, you know, the family could farm, and then they had fresh water that was easily accessible. So every time Nanawe would be working in a farm, he would see people walking up and down the path, and he would ask them every time, Hui, where you going? Oh, you guys look like you guys going fishing today. Where you going? Oh, we're going down that side to the point. But I know how we're going on that side. They said, get plenty of fish, so we're going down over there, we're going fishing. said, oh, that's a good idea, but you be careful now. 
because you don't know who's watching. You never know if there's going to be a shark going to come out, the mano going to come and eat you up head to toe. And they go, no more such thing. They don't have stuff like that down here. He said, okay, hello, my kai, you have a nice day. And they keep working in his farm. As he was working in his farm, then later they hear screams coming from the beach. And people are wondering, what is happening? What is, what is happening? And everybody's running down to the beach and they go, Mano, Mano, what is that? We've never seen one in here. And then the people gone, they disappear. And then they're like, okay, I don't know what happened, but maybe that's just because, right? We don't know why. But again, he's working in the farm. And then maybe the following week, someone else walks along the path and he asks them again, Hui, Enei, where are you going today? And they go, oh, why you ask? Every time you ask people where they're going, yeah, I like, no, where are you guys going today? And he go, oh, we're going on that side. They say get plenty of opi, so we're going to get the opi, so we can bring home for us to eat. I like opi. He go, oh, me too. But, you know, you be careful, because I heard, get the mano over there. And then if you go in the water, he's going to come out and gobble you up from head to toe. And they said, no, that's silly. That not happen over here. That's just, you know, maybe bad luck. Just be careful. Hello, my kai. And then the people went down the trail. And then he keeps working in the garden. And then... Not too long after, you hear the screams again. And the people run down to the beach. What's going on? What's going on? And they said, that's a mano. He's inside the valley, inside the bay. Right there, right there. I see him. That's a big one. They go, cannot be. There's no mano down here in YPO. The people became scared. This went on for quite a while. And they were very, very puzzled. So the people became too scared to go fishing or to go in the water, in the ocean. During that time, there was um, the ali'i at that particular time. And then again, this story was told to me several different ways. So there's several different ali'is that they say that was there at that time. So I'll just be general and say there was an ali'i during that particular time who declared an anahulu. That's a 10-day period, um, 10-moon period, that they were called to come and work on the Ali'i's farm, and all of them have to go. So they cannot say that they don't want to. That's how they have to give back to work on the Ali'i's um, lo'i and uala patch, whatever he needed help with. So then that way, when um, the people needed protection or food or anything that they needed from the Ali, he would help them, right? It's reciprocal. I help you. Kokua aku, kokua mai. That's how it is in Hawaii. I help you, you help me. So they were called to do a 10-moon period of labor on the Ali's um, farm. After several days of working, a lot of people noticed that Nanawi never come to help. 
and you ordered by the Ali'i to have everybody be there. Only the elders and the very young was excused from um, working. So now we never have an excuse. So the, the soldiers, the warriors went there, had go get him and told him, you are ordered by the Ali'i to come and work on his farm. Oh, well, I never know. He said, that. now you know. So you can keep saying, I never know. But now when you know, there's no more excuse, right? So he went with them, go work on the Ali'i's farm. And as he was working, everybody was like, oh, this boy, he's a good worker. You know, he stays to himself. And he's real big. And, you know, he's a fine young boy. But why is he wearing a kihe in the middle of the day? And we're working on the farm and it's so hot. Something must be wrong with this boy. And boys can be boys. So they started being mischievous. So the other boys started chasing him as he was working. He said, no, leave me alone. But they kept chasing him and grabbing at his cape. So when they grabbed at his cape and they pulled at it, they noticed that there was a shark mouth on the back of Nanawe. And they realized that he was a kupua, that this was the kupua who was in the valley that caused all of those people to perish in the ocean. So they said, oh no, oh no, away, away, it's him. He has been eating all our people, our family. Get him, get him. So Nanawe ran away from them and he ran to their family farm and everybody was running after him. And as they were running after him, they were throwing rocks and flying spears. And he, by the time they had reached him, he had jumped into the pond where the waterfall was. And when he jumped into the pond, the people saw him turn into a shark. And he swam around and he looked at them. And they were like, it is him. And they got very frightened. And when they became very frightened, they didn't know what to do because they were too scared to jump into the pond. How would they pursue him? So again, they started throwing rocks into the pond and flying sticks. And then they hoped that he would die. But then he disappeared. And they didn't know what happened to him. They didn't know that Nanawe had swim in an underground, underwater lava tube from the pond all the way down to the beach. And he surfaced out into the ocean. So a lot of the people were screaming, he's here, he's here, he's swimming in the, in the bay. And they were like, how did he get there? So that's how they figured out when he asked the people where they were going, he would jump into the pond and then he would meet them out in the ocean and that's how he would devour them. They were like, oh no, how can we get him? We're too afraid to go into the ocean because then he's going to get us. So they had to just leave him swimming out there. And so what they did was the chief, the Ali'i, got Kale and all of her family. And when he got their family, he tied them all up and he was going to punish Nanawe by killing the mom and all of the Ohana. So they built a big emu to sacrifice them the next day. And Kale was so heartbroken. She didn't know that this was happening and she didn't know because he was living with all the men of the family. So she didn't know that this was happening to him as he was growing up. So 
throughout the night, she kept praying and praying and calling Kamuhuali, please, you have to come and help. I don't know what happened. Um, this They started pursuing our son, and he turned into a shark because Kamuhuali never told her who he was. And because she loved him so deeply, she just trusted that this stranger just came to me from the gods, right? And so she never questioned. So... As she was praying and praying and calling on Kamuali to come and help, he came and he told her, I will take care of it. So Kamuali went to the kahunas, to the priests, the Ali'i's priests, and he came to them in their dreams and he told them, um, do not punish the family because it is not their fault. The mother did not know because when they had taken the boy and given him to the Kani to raise, even though they all followed her instructions, specifically, the Tutukani gave him the meat. And of course, he going to give them the meat because that's the Tutu and that's the Punahele. So when the boy wanted to eat meat, he gave the meat. But when the grandpa died, he still hungered for that flesh. So without the grandpa giving him food to eat, he figured out how he could get that appetite satisfied. So he ended up going out and eating people because that's the only way he knew how to satisfy his hunger. So the kahunas um, went to the ali'i and they told them about their dream, that this child is the son of Kamoho ali'i. And Kamoho ali'i told us that because of what Nanawi did, that Nanawi will be banished from YPO forever and he cannot come back. If he does come back, then Kamuali'i and his shark soldiers will come and they will have to destroy him, which is something he doesn't want to do because that's the son. But again, the son needs to be responsible for his actions. So if they spare Kale and her family, Nanawi will be forever forbidden to return back to YPO. So the story goes that Nanawi was banished. He went to Maui and he went to Molokai. So we don't know, right? Because nobody therefore actually see. But see, for us in YPO, we was told that we don't know because we never see, yeah? But we were told differently because we've gone to Nanawe, the waterfall that we call Neneve. And at Neneve, there are several tiers of waterfalls. And on the bottom, there's a very big pool that is there. In that pool, there's a very big rock that sits almost in the center of that pool. The villagers, when Nanawe swam under the lava tube to the ocean, they covered it. They rolled this big boulder on top of the cove, the opening of the lava tube so that way Nanawino could come back in. But you know, they say get one crack on top the rock. So we don't know if the rock was moved or not moved. So when we go and we go swimming there in that pool, you know, we go take the tea leaf. Before I had plenty tea leaves when I was growing up, that place was so lush and even the pond was even bigger and more deep. But now it's really small. And funny because I heard one of the stories, they said, it's really small because 
when it was really big, when the villagers tried to throw all the rocks and the sticks inside, came smaller. But it's smaller. So we used to have plenty tea leaves that used to grow around all of the area, but no more that much. So when you go over there knowing you want to go swimming there, you bring your tea leaf. So when we go there, you know, we do our protocol. Then before we step in the water, we take the tea leaf and we float it on the water. The water is nice and calm and still. So if the water, the tea leaf floats for a while, then it's safe. You can go swimming. Yeah. But if you put your tea leaf inside and then it floats just for a little while and shoop, it sinks down, that's not a good time for you to go swim because you don't know who stay home at that time, yeah? So even if you like swim, better you just go home. You can come back another day. So when you go to Neneve, to Nanawe Falls, you always bring tea leaf. You always do your protocol before you go in the water and you always mahalo that you safe when time for you leave. So you malama the place, yeah? And the whole moral to this particular story, um, why I chose it, is because you never tell strangers where you're going and what you're doing. And your parents and your grandparents always tell you these things. But for us, we were told, you never tell strangers where you're going because you never know who listening or what listening, even if nobody's standing there. Because the kupua can change into animal, can change into trees, can change into birds, can change into pohaku, even different kind of people, young and old. So that's why you always have to be careful. So when we teach our kamali'i, our children, our kiki, when somebody asks you, where are you going? You tell them, I go in holo holo. So, oh, but where? I go in holo holo. And that should be enough, you know, because we do not tell them. Because again, they say Nanawe left and he went to these different places, but we don't know if he came back. So better we just be careful, you know. So in YPO, when you talk to the people of old down there, they'll tell you, we're going holo holo. So I can give you an example. My grandfather, he was a fisherman. He went um, to work full time with the county. And then when he would finish work, he would come down. Um, he would love to go fishing. And that's how my, my family survived fishing. Um, and off the land in YPO. So he would um, saddle his horse and he would put his throw nets and all his fishing gear on his horse. And then he would go to go fishing in YPO. And as little kids, we would run after him and go, Papa, Papa, you're going fishing, yeah? You're going fishing down in YPO, right? And he's looking at us. He stopped the horse. He jumped off. He take all his things off and then he put them all away. You know, and my tutu used to tell us, shh, you're not supposed to tell that kind because you don't know who's listening. And as little kids, we never understood that, you know, until I realized and I heard these stories and I realized this is real. This is real that my grandpa not going because my tutu scared that something can happen to him because we wasn't being careful because we never... 
respect the traditions and the values and the cultures of this place. And those things is important for us to pass on. So sometimes these kids nowadays, they don't understand that the, the vahi talks to us and we have to listen, even if we know like or if we think we know more that it's more important because our kupunas, this month, they are kamai, and they're only telling you these things because they like you be safe. They like you be strong. They like you be happy. And they like you enjoy these places. So when we go, whether you, you kamaaina, you malahini, you know, you're visiting just for a short time or you're staying for a long time, Please respect the vahi. This is our kupuna to me. Yeah, the trees, the land, the birds, the fish, the ocean, you know, the wind. All of this is our kupuna. And sometimes we don't listen um, enough to them. So they speak to us every day. I only wanted to share this particular story because it has all those little um cultural practices in them and hopefully you will hear these stories and understand why these stories is so important because it carries these kinds of values that we hope you can continue and pass on to your families so when they tell you you know talk to strangers then you understand because to us this is not just a myth to us this is real we live this and I hope you understand and can appreciate these types of stories from all our moku. But there's so much more stories done in Waipio that um, so many people can still share, and especially our kupuna, and that I'm just honored and privileged that you asked for me to be here. And I hope that people will enjoy this. And um, again, like me, like we, we say now, um, nanawe, but the kuaina of the place, call it Neneve. So when we hear Neneve, um, it tickles my heart because I know that's a kupuna talking, yeah? Because not too many people use the old terms. So it was a pleasure for me to be here. And I want to mahalo all of you. And I want to share my aloha to all of you out there. And I hope that you all, again, have a um, wonderful life. You know, I share I share my aloha with all of you and your ohana and just mahalo no and just malama pono. Yeah, every day. Mahalo Nui for sharing that with our listeners. Um, I'm so happy that I could be here and listen to the story, the mo'olalo of Nanawe. And also for sharing your connection to the mo'olalo as passed down by your kupuna. It's such a blessing to see and to listen to you recall all the many lessons that are imparted through the mo'olelo and to see that you carry them on in your ohana. Mahalo anui. Thank you. And with that, mahalo nui ka'iolani for visiting us here at Kaleo Kauluau. We learned so much about the aina of Waipio, cultural practices, and history of that place. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to listen to her mo'olelo about Nanawe that has been passed along orally from generation to generation. 
It also contains so many lessons for all of us today, and I hope we apply them when we visit the different aina of Hawaii name. Mahalo again for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo Kauluau in the Moku of Hamakua. My poina. Feel free to check out our blog for story maps of each episode and our social media on Instagram and Facebook. We look forward to having you join us on more Huaka'i in the future. Until then, ahui ho, aloha.